this episode or Audible blog from Haley in Motion, I am sharing my first experience in EMDR therapy and what I uncovered during the session. This discovery has freed me from self-inflicted punishment and helped me see the truth and perspective about that white picket fence that I actually really never dreamed about. I'm also sharing about the thousands of dollars given to me and stolen that has caused me more stress than I was ever able to identify. Welcome to Haley in Motion. By now, I definitely was going to have the life that Pinterest apparently swears I want. My home feed is full of home-cooked meals in a big fancy kitchen, so I must have pinned my dream kitchen too many times. That white picket fence in the last post is kind of exaggerated, but whatever. Think Joanna Gaines in a bigger city than Waco, more sports mixed in, and yeah, that's good. I ask myself a lot, Haley, would you be hanging out with kids in jail? if you were still married to a guy who played in the NFL or had become a famous singer or sports TV show host? My answer, maybe, but probably not. Page break. I learned page break from a friend who always says that when introducing a new topic in the middle of a thought. I do that a lot. Hopefully you guys can keep up with me. Hashtag Haley in motion. I recently did an EMDR therapy session in a little town outside of Jacksonville, Florida with a really close friend of mine that I met at the bus stop on the first day of ninth grade. He and I became inseparable in high school and he went on to become a very well-known therapist to a lot of influential people and some of your favorite celebrities. He's very familiar with the things I've experienced from all the cancer mom had, facing tragedy in marriage, a dad who battles with mental illness, love you dad, Divorce, failure, closed doors, chaotic and toxic work environments. I'm not a therapy kind of girl, but he suggested I revisit some moments that had happened recently, not the Valentine's Day breakup, (laughs) and allow my mind to rewire the emotions toward that moment. That's what EMDR therapy is supposed to do. The moment we were going to focus on, a recent conversation between a really close friend of mine and me. Now, we could have chosen any other moment I've experienced to rewire. Still, in particular, this moment was his suggestion and he thought it was severely damaging and may unintentionally encourage healing in other parts of my life after this session. Here's how the conversation went. The friend. Haley, you want to know why you still sing and film and do all this other extra shit? Because you're obsessed with yourself and you feel the need to prove yourself Me laughing because I knew this was classic projection of one's own self-feeling onto another. Oh yeah, that's why? Then you must be doing the same thing I'm doing because you do all the same stuff as me, so. To which the friend responded, yeah, but I can. I have more money than you. I can afford to do all of this stuff. You feel behind or something and feel the need to prove yourself. Pause. Now, at this moment, I am raging with anger because I feel like this was a projection onto me of their own stuff, and I was feeling conflicted because I know the truth. The truth is I still make music because I want to. I love music. I will sing until I die. It's, it's, it's like not making it to the NBA. Do you know how many amazing athletes don't make it? So they don't make it. 
Do you just never play again? Do you never play that sport again? No. You're sometimes 50 years old running up and down the basketball court or putting on the green with your guys because simply you love the game. Now back to the conversation. Me. What does money have to do with anything? And then my friend said, Haley, you're 36 with nothing to show for yourself. Me, now ready to scream. I raised my voice. What would you like me to show you? The friend screamed, stability. I screamed back, what is stability? And my friend, well, they just responded, money, career, a husband, all of that. And there you have it, folks. The world's definition of what stability is. It's also subconsciously, precisely what I thought about myself. The constant toil between being proud of myself for what I have accomplished and not having enough to show. Sitting there, jaw clenched, not in throat, tears welling up so quick, I said to myself, Haley, don't you cry. You get up and you walk out of this room with your eyes up and remind yourself who you are. You are successful. You are stable. And as much as I would love to tell you that that's what I did, and I tried, I promise, but if I'm completely vulnerable, which I usually am, there was a, also a part of this conversation that seemed to sneak off and find a comfy little space in my mind. I couldn't stop thinking about this comment. Wow, Haley, see? I'm 36 with nothing to show for myself. Everyone thinks that, they just won't tell you. Haley, who cares what they think? You impact so many people and that friend is miserable. Yeah, but if I just had a career that paid a lot of money, maybe I should have gotten my real estate license. I mean, damn, you're in South Florida, Haley. You're missing out on money. All it did was solidify what I already thought about myself at times. My ex-husband is remarried with kids. Not saying he's thriving, but apparently this is stability to some people. My friends are making it in music, TV, and other careers, but does that count as making it? This moment killed me. Even when you get praised by kids inside a jail for being a hero, trying to remember this is what counts. Something made me feel like a failure. We were going to revisit that moment in particular mainly because as proud as I am of myself, that moment has been making itself at home, ensuring I didn't forget that it was there. And so, I sat in the chair of this therapy office, slid on big black headphones, gripped the two hand thingies and closed my eyes. There's a horizontal light thing in front of you that moves from left to right. You can either follow it with your eyes or just close them. Simultaneously, soft beeping in your headphones goes from left to right and the grips in your hands are also buzzing left to right, left to right, left, right, left, right. The light is floating left, right, left, right. Therapist, what do you see? Kind of laughing, um, <laughs> nothing. Left, right, left, right. Another 30 seconds going by, he asked again, what do you see? And as I was thinking, what a joke this therapy is, blah, blah, blah. I started to see visions like a dream. This means the therapy is working. 
They ask you what you see because although you are fully aware of your surroundings and completely in control, your mind is in a state of dreaming. I started to weep. I don't know why exactly, but I think I was just already feeling the hope of healing, to be honest. In fact, I couldn't stop crying. An hour later, we had discovered the source of why I feel so heavy sometimes when I talk about meeting certain milestones in my life. One of the visions during the therapy that I had was so profound that I couldn't have made it up. The therapist said, what do you see? Left, right, left, right. Tears streaming down my face, uncontrollably sobbing. Me, a line of people. It's a lot of people. These people lined up all the way to space, like black space. And it went so far that the line disappeared into eternity. The therapist asked me, who's in the line? A lot of people. The therapist asked me, what are they waiting for? And crying my eyes out, I said, a ticket to the show. The therapist asked me, who's at the front of that line? And as I gazed over into the line in my vision, I saw the person and I answered, (laughs) my dad. It is tough to finish an EMDR session because you don't like the feeling it brings up. So many times I wanted to take the headphones off, drop the hand grips and leave the office. But I knew I had to press through and finish because I deserved it. Even after that moment, he kept asking me what I saw. The wildest part? Within the subsequent few visions, I saw myself sitting in the room of that conversation with the friend, and that room started to fill with fog like a cloud. Then I saw myself washing my hands in a really nice bathroom. I was looking in the mirror at myself and staring back at myself. I gave myself a grin that was confident and queenly. The therapy session ended and I felt exhausted from crying. I also felt more accessible and some freaking how the comment from that friend didn't bother me anymore. More than that, I realized that it wasn't even my friend's comment that bothered me so much. It was the pressure I put on myself to make it for everyone, especially my parents. If you knew me in high school, you would know that I was voted most likely to become famous. I was gone a lot in high school because I was working on music in Nashville. My parents gave up their entire retirement to make this happen. All my music friends were doing the same thing. All of their parents did the same thing as my parents pretty much. And all of them made it in music. My story though, the producer in Nashville took my parents' money and never finished the project. Gone, just like that. My parents put their bet on me. Did they ever ask for the money back? course not. But you want to make your parents happy, proud of something to show, right? That was pressure on me to make sure I made it. Over and over again, I would get an open door and just like that, it would be slammed in my face. After my parents' money was stolen, years later, I had a friend who had made it in the NFL. He gave me money for a music project. He wanted to see me succeed, so he gave me $20,000 towards a project. At that moment, a man introduced me to a legend in the music industry named Tommy Sims. 
Tommy's worked with everyone from Eric Clapton, Garth Brooks, Reba, Monica, Kelly Clarkson, and he was also a part of the Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. He was the one who wrote, If I could change the world, I would be the sunlight in your universe. Okay, he was that writer. One night, I was at a restaurant with my brother and his wife and my nephew. We were about three months deep into the music project, and he called me. I scooted outside to take the call, and he just naturally asked me what we were going to do about working out the payment for the project. I remember standing in the parking lot with another knot in my throat. Please, God, not again. Tommy, I already paid it. Joe, the guy who introduced me to Tommy, well, Joe's not his real name, but for the sake of being kind, I'm going to not say his real name, even though I should. I had paid Joe, who introduced me to Tommy, the 20 grand agreeing that he would be handling the financial agreement, thinking he was going to obviously give Tommy the money, but he didn't. And we couldn't find him, and I never got my money back. Tommy obviously finished the project, but as life goes on, it just messed everything up. The second time I lost someone's money, not on my own account, but damn. So I have carried this backpack of shame because no matter how close, it feels like something always falls through. I think all the guilt and shame from not making it fell down my face during the EMDR therapy session. Each dollar lost rolled down my cheek as I let all of the shame and embarrassment go. And so I digress. One of the last questions that therapist asked me before the session ended was, what do you think your dad thinks about you? And I said, he feels sad for me. I know that no one would ever want me to carry around the burden of not making it for them. No one ever even cares that much, honestly. I mean, people are cheering you on, but people don't care that much. I recommend EMDR therapy. I also recommend spending whoever's money and just go for it. I'm only kidding. But really, just freaking try again. Don't give up. This all made sense, all of it. The pressure on myself from not making it, the constant worry about wondering what people really think. I never lived up to my senior superlative. Who freaking cares? And honestly, thank you, Jesus. But the most spectacular detail is this. This has been my passion since I was 15. Music, producing, creating. I do it because I love it. I do it because I'm gifted and I have so much to offer the world. And if something doesn't work, I'll keep going until another door opens. So I don't have to worry about what anybody thinks of me. All of those closed doors were God's protection from the fame that could have easily ruined my life. It's how I found myself living the life I never dreamed of, taking care of kids in jail and being available for the most vulnerable children in our country. So the question that I always ask myself and the answer to it, Haley, would you be hanging out with kids in jail if you were still married to a guy that played in the NFL or had become a famous singer or sports TV host? Maybe, but probably not. So wow, I'm grateful. So grateful. Next blog, my trip to Costa Rica to see my dad after five years. He was nothing other than proud of me and it was healing. Thanks for listening to Haley in Motion.